It's Beyond J here. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Again, I'm just so grateful for every one of you guys. The podcast is growing, and it is all simply because of you guys. Thank you for all the love and support, all the messages you guys have been sending me, the feedback that, you know, that encourages me to continue to do the podcast. And it also, you know, lets me know that um, God is working and people are being touched and people are turning new leads and going after what God has already called them to do. So, amen. The reason for this podcast, you know, um, I'm seeing it every time someone hits me up and lets me know that, hey, thank you for that message. Thank you for that encouragement. You know, that's what this is ultimately for so that people can begin to walk in their purpose that they're too fearful of doing. Amen. So today's episode, we're going to jump right in. It's kind of different, a little bit different. It's kind of like um, prompted on me in a way. Um, I read this this um, story that really convicted me to another degree in terms of my spiritual walk and how I view evangelism and the gospel. I feel like in the church right now, the biggest thing, the most popular thing to, to kind of like hate on collectively is the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, you know, is the is um, people has have interpreted it as you s- preaching the word of God, right? But you're promising people riches. That if you accept Christ, now you're going to, you know, God is going to give you wealth. And this is what God has called you to do is to be a wealthy man. That just come to Jesus, repent of your sins, and God will give you a house. God will give you cars and God, you know, God will bless you financially. So the whole focal point of the prosperity gospel is about, you know, wealth. So that was, you know, that's how I was always taught and that's how I will always viewed it. But I read this story that I'm going to share with you guys today. And it was, it really transformed how I view things. And I literally had to repent and I literally was convicted. And honestly, moving forward, this is going to change the way I view uh, my walk completely overall and I'm glad that the Lord opened my eyes because as I'm in this podcast you know I want to make sure that everything that I'm sharing with you guys and everything that I'm speaking of comes from a place of genuineness comes from a place of truth from the word of God amen so let's let's hop right into the story okay so consider the following scenario Two men are seated in a plane. The first is given a parachute and told to put it on because it will improve his flight. He is a little skeptical at first. He cannot see how wearing a parachute on board a plane could possibly improve his flight. After some time, he decides to experiment and see if the claims are true. As he straps the apparatus to his back, he notices the weight of it on his shoulders and he finds he is now dif- has difficulty sitting upright. However, he consoles himself with the flight attendant's promise that the parachute will improve his flight and he decides to give it a little time. As the flight progresses, he notices that some of the other passengers are laughing at him because he is wearing a parachute inside the plane. He begins to feel somewhat humiliated as they continue to laugh and point at him. 
He cannot stand it any longer. He sinks in his seat, unstraps the parachute, and throws it to the floor. Disillusionment and bitterness fills his heart because as far as he knows, he is concerned he was told an outright lie. The second man is also given a parachute. But listen to what he is told. He is told to put on to put it on because at any moment he will have to jump out of the plane at 25,000 feet in the air. He gratefully put the parachute on. He does not notice the weight of it upon his shoulders, nor is he concerned that he cannot sit upright. His mind is consumed with the thought of what would happen to him if he jumped without the parachute. Let's now analyze the motive and the result of each passenger. The first man's motive of for putting on the parachute was solely to improve his flight. The result of his experience was that he was humiliated by the other passengers, disillusioned and somewhat embittered against those who gave the parachute. As far as he is concerned, it will be a long time before anyone gets one of those things on his back again. The second man put the parachute solely to survive the jump to come. And because of his knowledge of what would happen to him if he jumped without it, he has a deep-rooted joy and peace in his heart, knowing that he has been saved from certain death. This knowledge gives him the ability to withstand the mockery of the other passengers. His attitude towards those who gave him the parachute is one of heartfelt and gratitude. Instead of preaching that Jesus will improve the flight, we should be warning sinners that one day they will have to jump out of the plane. It is appointed for a man to die once, but after this, the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 So, that story changes the perspective of everything. Well, it did for me. And this is why this story was so impactful for me. It simply showed how when we speak about the gospel and we speak about Jesus Christ, I found myself telling people, hey, look, you're sad. Come to Jesus and he will give you happiness. He will give you joy. You're going through some financial issues. Come to Jesus and he will help you and he will restore you. For God, for you know, I used to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, for God has a plan for you. Don't worry. You know, come to Jesus. And from reading this story, you know, it convicted me because, you know, I was one of those that bashed on the prosperity gospel. And then today my eyes opened and I realized that, hey, I've also preached the prosperity gospel. And and I believe that a great majority of us in church, that's the gospel that we preach. Whenever we speak about the gospel, whenever we speak about Jesus and we want someone to give their hearts to Christ and we present it in a way where they have to um, come into an exchange where they give their hardships and then we give them Jesus, that's the prosperity gospel at its purest form. 
where we're bringing people into the into Christ, into the walk, out of a promise through an exchange and a promise that cannot be met and a promise that God hasn't promised. You know, that's what there's a lot of bitterness in a lot of the believers' hearts right now because they came into God thinking that, yo, my life was horrible. I'm coming into Christ now and my life is going to change. What? But my life has not changed. What, what was this? This is a lie. I'm going to go back to what I was doing because what's the point of me sacrificing? What's the point of me, you know, abstaining from certain um, uh, pleasures of my flesh if my life has not changed? I was told that if I come to Christ, my current situation would change and it has not changed. This is a lie. I am leaving. I've heard that scenario so many times. And now I understand. Today I understand why people react that way. And it's because we have been presenting the gospel wrong. And we've been bashing on the prosperity gospel. And we didn't even realize that we were operating in that same spirit. The prosperity gospel as we come to know it is always about wealth. But the way we do it, the core concept of it, is that we are trying to bring people in to exchange what they have for something better. Instead of preaching that Jesus will improve someone's life, we have to tell people that Jesus is here to save you for when the day comes of judgment. Jesus is the key for you to not be put under that judgment. So whatever you go through here on earth right now does not compare to what will happen to you if you do not have Christ in your heart. And this isn't for you to, you know, get your heart filled of, you know, fear. But it's for you to understand that this walk is difficult. This walk, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's demanding, it's tedious because you're killing your flesh. And you probably spent 30 years gratifying your flesh. And now trying to live in the spirit this is not an overnight thing. But you will, you will endure it because you understand that this is salvation that you're holding in your heart. But when you believe that you came to Christ because you're looking for a better life here on earth, you will not endure when things get even tougher because the sole purpose of you coming to Christ was to simply have a better life. You were running away from conflict. You were running away from hardship. And you thought that coming into Christianity, accepting Christ into your heart would change that situation. But then you came across a God that says you have, you are a sinner and these things have to change in your life. And then more hardships came because that's God molding you. And you took that as something more, you know, trialing, now you leave the faith because it's not what was promised to you. And, and I, and I have, and I speak for myself and I want to apologize for when the moments that have spread the gospel in that manner, saying false promises to people. And that's why we have a whole generation saying, why would I want to serve Christ if there's so much evil in the world? 
why would I want to serve Christ if I see so many people, innocent people dying? Because we keep telling people that God will save them all. No, God will not save them all. God is focused on the judgment day. He is focused on that. That is his mission to save us from that. And in, on earth, he calls us to live a righteous life so that we can do that work here. If you see someone in danger, be the light and help. You know, God calls us to live a righteous life. So the evil that people see is not a result of Christ, of God. It's a result of sin in our free nature. You know, so these are things that we need to begin to reanalyze again and understand that, yo, we were wrong. We need to keep telling people we are in the end times. Judgment day is coming. Jesus is coming back. And we need to understand why we're serving God. We're serving God because he has been, he poured his mercy on us and we are saved. And for that, we are so grateful that we're going to go and tell everybody else about it. And for that, we are so grateful that we're going to give our lives to him. And we're going to honor him and how we live here on earth. And we're going to get to know this God that he just gave me this salvation without even knowing me, without even having a, a, a reason to. He just gave it to me. I need to know this man. And that is the reason why people pursue God. That is the reason why we, we fall in love with God because he gave us this, this gift that we did not deserve, that we didn't even know that we needed. And because of that, gratitude stems from our heart and we pursue after him. It is not for a better life. It is not for more blessings. It's simply to get to know the man, to get to know the God that gave me this gift that I did not deserve. I want to know who this man is. Why does he love me so much? Why does he care so much? And I get to know this man. I get to know him at a personal level because I am grateful. Not because of the, the, the things that he's gave me, the money. I am grateful for that fact that he gave me salvation. And my pursuit and my me enduring is all about gratitude that I will be saved when it comes the time for me to jump from this plane. I know I have my parachute, which is Jesus. And we need to do better as a church. We need to do better and we need to stop preaching the prosperity gospel. We were in this and whoever's listening to this, please understand we cannot keep promising that Jesus will improve people's lives because there that is a spit in the face to our brothers and sisters in Christ all across the world that are being beheaded, that are being persecuted and killed just by saying the name Jesus. Their lives are in danger. So when we tell people Jesus will improve your life. People come into Christ running. The, the people that we're telling that to. Those people are running from hardships. So when you tell them that Jesus will improve your life. Just come to Jesus and he will improve your life. The moment they become persecuted. They're going to deny the faith. 
because they're running from one hardship to then jump into another hardship. They're going to say, this is a lie. My life has not improved. I'm leaving. But when you tell people clearly what the gospel is, is the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so that our sins can be forgiven and we are saved. That is the gospel. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you do. It doesn't matter what skin color you are, how much money you have. It's at the end of the day, like the Bible verse in Hebrew says, we will all die. And when we die, it does not matter what skin color you are. It does not matter how much money you have. It matters if you have Jesus in your heart or not. And if you don't, you will not get access to the Father in heaven. And that is the reality. We are, and I was part of this. And moving forward, you know, I'm continuing to pray that God continues to mold my heart and to filter out any prosperity gospel, you know, theology that is in my heart and in my mind. That as I continue to spread the word of Jesus, it is the unfiltered truth of the gospel. The unfiltered truth of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we can have salvation through him and we'll be saved in the day of judgment. That is the gift that God gives you. So when people make fun of you, when people, you know, point the finger and people begin to persecute you, you will endure because you understand that what's coming soon is much worse than what is happening now. You know, I repent and feel free as well if this convicted you as well to repent too. The Lord is coming and he is coming for a church, for his bride. So guys, thank you for tuning in today. So I pray that everybody continues to seek him and, you know, encounter him in a special way. But always remember, never be afraid to go beyond. The only limit is always yourself. Peace.